Hello and welcome to the program Woke Up. And today, right now, I want you to get ready to be impacted uh, of somebody who is very special, very intelligent, very articulate. And I want you to hit subscribe and like, and I want you to get ready to, to learn something really profound. Open your heart today because uh, the way uh, my friend talks is very impactful. And so my friend is uh, Kelly Lamb. She has been to Helen back and she has a very clear perspective. And so I'd like you to open up your heart, open up your mind and get ready to receive a, a really beautiful message for you. And please share this with your friends. So Kelly's uh, uh, on today and she's calling from Northern Saskatchewan. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And that's a, a very kind and thoughtful um, uh, introduction. So yeah, it's, it's very good to be here. I'm, I'm pleased. So. so why are you here and how did you get on this show today? Like, like bring, bring us back, like who you are and what your story is. Well, I believe we were introduced from a friend of ours, um, Gracie, who's got a semi-similar story. I guess we have different, you know, upbringings and how we came to this ideology. But both of us ended up in, in basically enslaved to an ideology. And both of us might even look at it as a bit of a religion in ways. And that would be, you can call it what you want. Some people use the word woke. I don't know if I like to use that word, but um, I, I think it's very accurate in, in the sense that it encompasses a way of looking at the world that is very victim versus, you know, oppressor versus oppressee, that kind of thing. So hers was more on feminism. Mine was different. And ultimately, I'm here chatting with you because you were kind enough to reach out and I'm being called and led to speak more and more about my story. So I have done this in the past and then I took a big break due to health issues, which I've struggled with for years. Um, I started the channel in 2018 to start discussing my political uh, shift, essentially from quote, left to right. Again, terms I don't love to always use because they can be misused, I think, and used in insulting and derogatory ways, but it really just describes my worldview. And I ended up running for politics and uh, doing some reporting and all of that, and then have taken a major hiatus while God has worked on my own heart. And I would like to just speak sort of freely about, about what's happened in my life. So I don't know where you want me to start because this could be a long story. So no, um, start like uh, what, what attracted you to the social justice ideology and what, what attracted you and, and what was going on on an internal and uh, conscious level as a young woman. And uh, so why do you take us to how you got sucked in mm -hmm. and what became of your life? And then you just take it wherever you want to from there. Sounds good. Well, I grew up as a very compassionate, um, and I think I'm still pretty compassionate, but I was a softie of a kid, uh, just loved animals, didn't want to ever hurt anyone's feelings. I want to be kind, I want to help people, just always a heart for people. And that has something that's always, that, that's been unshakable in my in my life and in my worldview. And then I went through some some hard times. Um, I went through some issues with some sort of spiritual abuse at a church when I was in my my teens, went through a couple of bad relationships, ended up moving all over the country, losing my roots, losing my footing, falling away from my family and tradition and and trying to also make up for what I would see as um, 
a very type A personality. So I wanted to shake that. I wanted to be more relaxed and more chill. So that led me into really seeking whatever I could to just get away from sort of who I really was. And instead of just trying to work on maybe the negative aspects of my personality and heal from that and work with it, I just wanted to be someone that I wasn't. And so I was working with all of these sort of trauma. I started having health issues when I was, well, about 13, but they really nailed me at about age 19. So I was dealing with surgeries. I ended up in an abusive relationship. And through all of this, and just through the people I was hanging out with, a little bit of university as well, definitely had some, uh, some university, I don't know, you could call it education, you could call it indoctrination, depends how you look at it. Um, through all of that, it just, I didn't call myself a social justice warrior. I didn't know what that meant. The first time I heard that term in an argument on, I think, Facebook or something in maybe 2014, I thought, that sounds like a compliment. I am a warrior for social justice. What a wonderful thing to do. Um, so I didn't, it wasn't a political thing for me. It was just about whatever I heard in the news or heard in the mainstream, heard from Hollywood, heard from others, the people you're hanging out with, the wording that they use. It, it was the way that I thought was the most compassionate. And so what attracted it to me was this belief that we could vote for politicians who really care about us, which I now realize is pretty much non-existent. Most politicians don't care about you. If I can give you one good message to start this off, most of them just want votes and they'll pretty much say and, and do whatever they have to do to get it. And the people that start out in a good space often end up either weeded out or they change so profoundly because politics rots people. It really does. Um, I can say that from just having run and seeing what happens. But so I ended up just trusting politicians and then pushing these sort of policies and ideologies. And suddenly I'm I'm a different person. I'm using a different language. I'm not relating to my family anymore. And suddenly I see myself as superior. Um, in this whole process, I got um, heavily involved into what we would call the new age. Again, not something I did consciously. That's not a term most people involved in that would know, but I see it now looking back. And that's basically the spiritual but not religious um, smorgasbord of of religious beliefs that essentially, and if you want to use an SJW term, are culturally appropriated. If we're honest, they're pulled and picked from everybody around the world and then a bunch of new methodologies. Um, it can be anything from psychic stuff to vibrational medicine to uh, shamanism, whatever floats your boat. But that's the point is it's whatever makes you happy and feel good. And that's something that came alongside my political ideology where it's about feeling good making other people feel good. Don't make anyone feel bad. And the key word is always feeling, feeling, feeling. And so being a very emotive person, I was always about feeling and I didn't want to feel bad. I had trauma. I didn't want to feel that. I had guilt. I didn't want to feel that. And so the answer to all of this in my mind, not consciously, was, you know, policies that focus solely on compassion and on feelings and on the heart following your heart and not using your head. Um, and certainly there was not a sense of foundational truth or anything like that. So I was very much a postmodernist, even though, again, didn't understand the term at the time I came by it, honestly, just what is truth, you know, your truth, my truth. Um, that's how I saw God. That's how I saw life. That's how I saw politics. And I just didn't ever want anyone to feel sad or have pain ever again, ever. I wanted utopia. And that's essentially how I got sucked into all of it. Um, at least that was my intentions, my heart. What is postmodernism? So essentially, and I'm probably not going to say it properly, you know, but it's this <laughs> idea that there is no truth, um, that, the, you know, it's, it's very laissez-faire. It certainly isn't rooted in one specific tradition. So it's very, I would say, especially as a Christian, um, 
you know, coming back to my faith after many years of walking away from it and, and being resentful of Christianity, if, if I'm honest, I was mad at God and I thought that Christians were bigoted and I thought they were small minded because postmodernism would tell you that there's multiple paths to God and there really isn't a truth. And you can get into the Frankfurt School and there's a whole bunch of intellectualism that I'm not going to pretend that I that I stand for. I'm not a not a fancy pants uh, intellect, but it it's a different way of looking at the world in the sense that you're you're really just going on the fields. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's it's going on the fields and you can you can smother that in beautiful university language, but it is um, an ideology that in my opinion is is really really harming people, especially people in the west, um, because it takes away any sense of being grounded or rooted in any kind of objective reality or truth and I think we can see the fruits of that whether it's the gender stuff we're looking at right now um, whether it's this ideal of or believing that we can actually have a utopia forgetting about the concept of human nature when you look at it from a religious perspective um, you see just the hodgepodge of spirituality going on and you see a lot of unhappiness and I think that um, like I said it's not the greatest definition in the world but I can certainly from a 30,000 foot bird's eye view that's kind of how I see it so yeah, like our, our mutual friend Gracie, uh, she was indoctrinated in the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, she talked about, uh, you know, she studied uh, feminism and yeah. she wouldn't do a tremendous amount of that. And she talked about it being a lens, uh, the way she shifted and she and she began to see everything through the lens of feminism. That was uh, what, what she was, what she would uh, categorize as indoctrinated into. So you were raised in a in a conservative home, it sounds like a Christian yeah. home, but then you got uh, smarter than everybody around you. And then you, oh, did, yes. you did you put this lens on and, and like, what was going on in your mind? And would you, is that a fair characterization that you began? That's to, a, look- that's a perfect characterization. Yeah. Gracie always has a good way of putting things. What a wonderful gal. So she, um, she went through the university route of going through full blown gender and women's studies and being, you know, heavily into that, here's all the books that I've read. I know more than you, the patriarchy and so on. Now I got into a little bit of feminism, but I dabbled. I was more of a, I'm moving across the country. I'm a quote gypsy. I'm just taking in all these different ideas. And and for me, because spirituality was such a big part of it, a lot of my indoctrination happened in various sort of spiritual retreats. And um, I did all of my Reiki training. Uh, if you don't know what Reiki is, it would be a type of quote, energy healing, you know, the laying, they, they even will call it the laying of hands, just like Jesus did, which is complete blasphemy, but that's a different discussion. Um, it's a lens in which you look at the world. Um, you just, you start to see things in a warped way, but you think because you've learned it, you've read all these books, or you've listened to all these podcasts that somehow you, you're more enlightened. It's essentially a sense of feeling more enlightened. Now, I grew up, yes, conservative Christian, and I was on fire for God in high school, on fire for God. I just, I loved Jesus and I wanted to to please him and I wanted to do good work for him. And then there was a few things that happened and I mentioned it a bit in um, one of my recent videos, kind of a trifecta. So I went through an experience with a pastor. My parents were fantastic. Um, you know, I had a really good childhood. I have to just give them huge kudos, wonderful people. But when you get into this ideology, suddenly you start to question one thing at a time and all of the goodness in your life becomes rigid or you see it as 
small minded or bigoted or um, they're just not as smart. They're not as wise. Right. And that's where the university part really comes in. There's an arrogance that comes with it. Absolutely. The irony of it being it's supposedly this compassionate worldview, but it almost always comes with an immense amount of ego. And, and a lot of people will even talk about, especially in the spiritual world. Oh, you have to deny your ego, get rid of your ego while your ego is just being inflated every single day because, oh, you're so enlightened. And this person just doesn't understand. They just didn't go to this college class. They just didn't go to this spiritual retreat so I started to just drift from my family and you know started to look at my parents as as people I had to teach you know like they need like they didn't know anything which is ridiculous I mean the stuff that my parents went through and the stuff that a lot of people my elders which I've been taught to kind of respect again um, it was extremely valuable and you know, my father passed away in 2019 and I, I miss him desperately I wish that I had him because all those years I missed his grounding you know, common sense nature, because I was busy living in la la land with all of these ideas that I thought were superior. And all they were doing was dragging me into darkness. So yeah, I started off conservative, started off Christian, and then went through the trifecta of a, a negative spiritual experience with a pastor who was legitimately difficult and made me question myself at a very young developmental age. So between about 16 and 17, right when you're, you know, questioning who you are it's adolescence I mean who's not struggling through adolescence right so I went through some trouble there and then um, went through an abusive and very misleading relationship with again someone who I saw as better than my upbringing he was relaxed he was so you know worldly and he had traveled and very artsy very creative I'm a musician as well so that plays into this too um, so I kind of just started listening to him and he was very persuasive and I'm a little more, I'm, I'm not as assertive. I think I'm more of a, I've learned how to be over the years, but I'm more meek by nature. And so I was easily persuaded by, by fancy words and big ideas and philosophical discussions. And he was very hurt by his past. So I, he, his lens, if you want to call it that, um, was very negative towards tradition and family and, a lot of things, any Western ideas at all. So whether it's capitalism, all of that stuff, he was very critical of a lot of things, critical of institutions, critical of religion, anything that I had as a foundation in my life, he was critical of. And so I just slowly started to believe that. And I became more antagonistic with my family and more antagonistic, left the faith, um, kind of left everything that was, that made me who I am. And then from there, I dealt with a lot of health issues. And that's what brought me into both the idea of really wanting to be compassionate to those who are suffering because legitimately people who have disabilities are generally thrown to the back of the list. And that's in all sides for politics. They are not a hot topic for getting votes. They just don't make the cut. So I didn't like seeing that people were suffering and poor. That bothered me a lot, um, you know, especially knowing what it was like to not be able to work when you're, you're ill. So it came from a place of compassion. But with that also came my weaving into the natural health world, which I, I'm still, as I would like to say, a little granola. You know, I, I'm all about natural health and supplements and, and nature and all that good stuff. I eat really clean and I don't use a lot of chemicals. But that just was a door into the new age of spiritual healing. And so that led me into everything from yoga to Reiki to crystals. Oh, did I have crystals? <laughs> and was I ever, I would lay them on me and lay them on my chakras and do healing. And um, I did tons of shamanism. I was big into the paranormal and so excited if I had any, you know, ghost paranormal experiences and um, believed that my good intentions could protect me from anything, pretty much. They, they made me invincible. So, yeah, I walked away from my past 
big time. A lot of what I was doing made my parents very uncomfortable. My mom didn't want to lose me or make me mad and have me be farther away than I already was. So she would, you know, kind of help me through it, but she never felt good about it, like funding different um, workshops and and training. But yeah, I, I really lost my way. And thankfully, my my parents, my family, and of course, my God, they stayed true. They stayed with a sense of truth, right? Instead of just this, what is truth? There is no truth. They were very grounded. So thankfully I had something to return to and some memories that would hold me back and anchor me from being completely off the wall. Uh, because without that, I don't know where I'd be right now. So why is that? So, it sounds like you're being negative about crystals and paranormal. Uh, what was the, the word you used? Uh, why is that so bad? Or and like, it seems like you're negative about that. And I'd also like to know, like how many years were you in this and were you married to this man or was it a boyfriend or like what, what was going on uh, in your life at that time? So the relationship I was in, I'll start there. Um, it was just about seven years. It was uh, a monogamous, but no, not married. We were common law, I guess would be the official term. And um, we traveled around the country. He was from a different province. So I lived in different provinces traveled across to the West Coast, which would be our equivalent of California, very hippie-esque, very relaxed, um, lots of opportunities to dive into alternative spirituality, stuff like that. Um, As for why it's negative, now, you'd have to go and dive deep into my testimony on my channel if you want more information on this, because I can't fit it all into this, but... um, I I don't see it as negative in the sense that I I judge anyone doing it because I was, I mean, I spent so much money on this stuff and so much time. Um, I was a Reiki master. I, um, I I was almost became a Kundalini yoga teacher, which basically would have required that I take a four week intensive program, change my name, wrap a turban around my head to teach yoga. I was going to gong back meditations. I was going to psychics and intuitives. Like I was all in, it's a whole different language. It's a whole different world. Um, so it's not a judgment thing. I, I get it. I completely understand why it happens. Most people have been hurt by the church or they don't believe in religion. They believe religion is man-made and used for the concept of, of sheerly political power. So used as a tool mm. for political power. And all of these things I understand because well, politicians, as I've mentioned, I have much more negative opinion of them than, than any of the people involved in this. They do use these sorts of things for power. And people have used the name of God for terrible, terrible things. And it's very easy to judge God based on the actions of man, the sinful actions of man. But unfortunately, when you get sucked into this sort of world of alternative spirituality and you pick and choose what feels good, you lose the sense of, again, truth and reality. And suddenly, anything that feels good is fine. Now, that might seem like not a big deal. So if you're a secular person or an atheist watching this, nothing I say is going to convince you because you don't believe in any of this, right? You don't believe in a spiritual realm. So this might all sound crazy. But if you're someone who is spiritual by nature, and you believe that there's more than what we can see, then you start to seek and you're seeking for the truth. You're seeking for that enlightenment. You're seeking to find God. We all have, I've heard it said, a, a God-sized hole that we're trying to fill. Now, what happens with the, the quote, new age or this spiritual but not religious sort of um, lifestyle, I guess, is that you're digging and digging for truth and you're, you're playing around in this spiritual realm without any sort of protective gear is the best way that I could put it. And you think your intentions are going to save you. So for me in crystals, for example, um, you know, you would wear tourmaline or you would wear certain crystals that would 
protect you from negative energies that would, you know, you believe that you're sucking in bad energies from other people. If someone else holds your crystal, you have to cleanse that crystal with a different crystal or you have to put it in sunlight because it, it's got negative energy. And you start talking about the aura and people in the new age will even get into quantum physics and start using science to try to justify it. Although none of us knew what quantum physics even really were. We were just like, oh, look, it's, it's scientifically proven that this exists, right? That you start to dabble in all of this stuff and you start to do it without any sense of protection. And what I, what I warn against is that it doesn't matter how nice and pretty and wonderful it feels or looks, there is a dark side. And if you do believe in the spiritual realm, you have to believe in a spiritual hierarchy. And I got myself into the reason I'm negative about it is because it ruined me. And I was in it for years. You asked how long I was in it most of my 20s. Um, and I got deeper and deeper and deeper into it to the point where I was pretty much almost a Wiccan by the end. I was ready to make a, an altar to the goddess Bridget so that she would bring hearth and home to my house. And I was going to make a Bridget's cross and hang it over my door and, um, you know, mark my home as such. Like, that's how deep I was. And I never would have seen myself as a witch because it was all light versus darkness in my mind. But the problem is, is that darkness comes disguised as light. And if you believe in the devil and in Christianity, or even if you don't, I, I encourage people to entertain the possibility that if there's a spiritual realm, that there is a hierarchy, that there are dark spirits, that there is darkness that can attach itself to you. And that maybe, just maybe, you might be dabbling in that and not realize it. And for me, I got myself into very, very terrifying, dark, scary situations that could only be rectified and restored by the name of Jesus. And it made me realize that there is a spiritual hierarchy and that Christ is the authority. And that is something that, again, if you're an atheist, none of this is going to make sense to you. But if you are someone who is spiritual, you can say, well, that's, I know that this is my spirit guide leading me. I know that this is a positive vibe, a positive whatever. My intentions, I had good intentions, so nothing bad can happen. And, and my warning is, your intentions aren't strong enough. Your crystals aren't strong enough when you dabble in this darkness. And it doesn't have to be dark magic. You know, the devil's not going to come with a pitchfork and horns. He's going to come disguised as everything you ever wanted, your dreams, compassion even. And that's the part that really gets me with the new age, as well as SJWism, so to speak, is it's always disguised as compassion. And it really sucks in people who have a desire to heal themselves and heal others. So when you go through trauma or you see others suffering from trauma or pain, you just ache for them and you want to find healing and you are digging and desperately trying to seek healing. And you get these highs from these experiences, these workshops. Um, you always feel something and it feels good. And if you talk to a spirit guide, they seem nice. And, oh, this is my spirit animal. This is my angel. You know, And you, it's like you don't even consider the possibility that something darker and more sinister could be behind that. And yet somehow down the road, most people that I know that push themselves in this are trying to manifest good things. That's the other thing, law of attraction. You're going to attract good things, like attracts like. But very few people are actually fulfilled, happy, and free. And most of them are in bondage. Um, but because they believe that it's light and because they have good intentions, they see no harm in it. Whereas the opposite, it couldn't be more untrue I mean there's so much danger in it and like I said my testimony gets into some of my experiences but I was down a dark dark path and I was in chains and the devil had me exactly where he wanted me and it was not in any way light or love I wasn't good to anybody I wasn't compassionate to anybody at that point I was just a wreck saying all the right things sounding like I was enlightened 
and internally in turmoil. And that's why I'm so negative about about these practices, because they look so nice, especially all the crystals and the pretty, you know, flags. And you go to a metaphysical shop and you just blow all your money because it all is smells so nice and looks so nice and it feels so good. But feelings are fickle. And if you if you look at a biblical worldview, which I've learned a lot in the last few years, too, about the actual tangible evidence for for the faith of Christianity. It's not just some belief. There is faith involved, but there's a lot of incredible reliability of the scriptures. There's a lot of indications in the Bible all over the Old and New Testament that completely condemn these practices. And it's not because God is a buzzkill. It's because he's trying to protect us. And these things are an abomination to him. They are playing around with stuff that we have no business playing around with. And they're very, very dangerous. Um, You should always test the spirits. You should always be looking to make sure that what you believe is actually of God, because what isn't of God is, is the opposite. And I think that's something that I, I didn't know growing up because I didn't study the scripture. I love God, but I didn't study the scripture. I didn't have a foundation in that truth. Um, and, and it's something I warn people of because it's, I have a lot of friends that are still in it, you know, and it's scary to talk to them. It's actually scary to talk to them in person than it is to do a video like this with a bunch of strangers that are just watching me in the ethos. Um, because I don't want them to think I'm judging them. I don't want them to think I don't care or that I'm preaching or I'm superior. It's not that it's that I'm desperately worried for their soul. And I know what it's like to be sucked into that darkness. And I also know what it's like to be freed in Christ, which is something that I, I mean, it's, it's just incredible, right? I, I just want that for everybody. You know, one of the things that I've just learned uh, in the time that I've been doing this this podcast is I talk to a wide variety of people that uh, have left the critical social justice movement or wokeism and this ideology on different levels, whether it's uh, feminism, veganism, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter, the everyone's a racist or, or queer theory. All these things are, are similar in, in the species of it. And so, but one of the things that I found is it seems like a lot of people, as you characterize yourself, you, you said earlier that you were a young girl, you're a teenager and you love Jesus and you love God. And then something happened in the church. And then there was like an entrance way to leave Christianity in a way. And pursue other things. And so I find that a lot of the people that get sucked into it, because some people aren't, aren't affected by this virus at all. They're just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's ridiculous. I don't buy it. I don't, you know, it doesn't affect me at all. But other people get so sucked into this uh, dialectical approach of seeing the world through the oppressor and oppressed. And a lot of the people that are getting sucked into it are people like yourself that was, uh, that had religious trauma or mm-hmm. uh, they had a faith, but then something pivoted where they looked at Christianity or any religion as uh, oppressive and they needed to be liberated from that. And so uh, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, 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 there's just something in this virus that attracts people that are high on the empathy level, mm-hmm. people that, that had faith. And there's a lot of talk going around about religious trauma, religious trauma. And, uh, I think you can speak pretty authoritatively about that. And so I'd like to dig into that a little bit more from your perspective and your thoughts. Uh, You know, we haven't talked about this at all, but I I think what I'm saying is resonating with you. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Now, I mean, I can, I talk about this in my testimony on the spiritual side and how a lot of people who do dive into this sort of spiritual, but not religious smorgasbord, a lot of them have some negative association with the church. So whether that's unfortunately, you know, sexual abuse type issues, or whether it's something like mine, which was a, a spiritual abuse, which is something, you know, that's a deeper topic I won't get into, but essentially just somebody kind of messing with your head and gaslighting you and making you think you're not doing enough and all of that. These sorts of things, um, they really do, they change some people's perspective of the entire truth of God or, or the Bible. And it's often people that aren't maybe as rooted in the word and in understanding basically the historical accuracy or understanding the context of when the Bible has been used by man for terrible things. And a lot of people, aside from the spiritual side, when you look into more of, as you said, you know, you talk to people, whether it comes to queer theory, critical race theory, gender theory, all of these sorts of things, they see the church as patriarchal, oppressive, and historically a symbol in their mind of, um, yeah, an oppressive force, basically. And I mean, there is some truth to the fact that the institution, the man-made institution of various organizations and churches, obviously has been used over history for some pretty horrible things. So if you just look in, for example, in Canada, you know, I, I've always also had a heart for our First Nations or our Indigenous people. And there's a bad history with with things called residential schools and, and elements of the church. And you could certainly argue that a lot of what happened was sinful and bad and evil and dark. And, and people then see those actions by human beings, usually the government, just another little hint, hint, nudge, nudge. It's almost always politicians that did these horrible things or led these movements. You can almost always... You see it's man, but most people, they, they look at it as God and they just say, well, no God would allow this. You know, this can't be true because bad people did it. It's, it's always an association of the sinfulness of man. And then they paint the entire religion with it. The, the big one right now I see in, in 2023 is, is sort of the concept of what is the biblical view of marriage that really, really, really bothers people who are more left leaning. And it, I was one of them. I was mad at God about, you know, the the idea of racial justice stuff, because I, I, like many in the social justice movement, see Christianity as a white man's religion, which is kind of insane, because, you know, you look at the actual history of the Bible, where it took place, the main characters involved, Jesus is not there for one race he is here for everybody and and it was about all nations all nations under god speak in the same language it has nothing to do with your skin color or your melanin period um it, it's really a fallacy there's been a lot of of academic work and secular work that focuses on you know just hammering on the faith but it has nothing to do with christ christ didn't condone any of those things and jesus weeps at every single injustice just like the people here that are trying to find the social justice on earth. The difference is you can't really have social justice. I mean, there is a justice system. We are called as Christians to stand for true justice, but social justice is a different ballgame. There's no concept of forgiveness and grace and repentance and any of those things. It's a completely different world. It's man-made and you're chasing your tails and usually causing more harm than you mean to. And I think for, for getting back to kind of the queer you theory just, idea, you, you, go you ahead. You yep. my bubble that Jesus wasn't a blonde haired blue eyes, I know Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I mean, 
we joke, my husband and I, because we've seen sometimes like it, you see these candles or these images of this like very, very white, blue eyed Jesus. We call him Euro Jesus, which of course he's, <laughs> he wasn't. Right. So, yeah, that's the other thing. People assume that Christians are just so stupid and that we all believe this. They think we're this monolith of belief systems and that we're naive and we have no concept that there's no intellectualism behind it, which is nonsense. Um I, I believe that like I was that superior oh my Christian parents oh they're there you sweet people with your belief in your sky daddy you know sky fairy like I've heard all these terms online thrown around there's a lot of arrogance around it and I mean you're not going to convince everybody but a lot of the belief is that you just people don't think about it when on au contraire people talk very deeply about this and, and there's a lot of discussion of about this people spend mm -hmm time Bible, doing Bible study, people are learning Hebrew just so they can learn, you know, about the original language of, of, of the Bible or Greek. There's a lot of incredible minds, um, apologists doing this kind of work. And so there's a lot more to it than people, you know, maybe realize that even a lot of Christians, you know, modern day Christians have no idea of, of how much rational evidence there is for their faith. But when it comes to some of these modern day issues, when you look through this social justice lens, it paints Christianity and paints you know, anybody involved with it as an oppressor. And in fact, Jesus came to to free the oppressed. And it wasn't in the way of social justice. It wasn't, I mean, there's people saying now that Jesus was trans. I mean, they're, they're trying so desperately to fit him into our current worldly bubble that they don't, and they'll use verses out of context. And, and it's just, it's really quite a mess. People that don't believe in God or the Bible, but suddenly that one verse that they think without any studying at all, you know, promotes their worldview, they're happy to share it. So when it comes to something like gay marriage, for example, um, that's a big, you know, no, no, you cannot say anything about it. Because in our current worldview, we see, you know, love is love, whatever, right? These are the ideologies that we have. And if somebody doesn't agree with that, even if they can love a person, you know, this is I tried to gotcha my, the pastor that that helped bring me out of all this, I tried to gotcha him by asking him about homosexuality. And he gotcha'd me back by showing that you can disagree with something and love them and show grace and welcome them with open arms into the church. Um, you know, these are the sorts of issues that I think people see disagreement as bigotry. Um, they see everything as oppressive. They see everything as just stamping all over people's rights. It's, it's just, it's simply not true. It's a fallacy. And I'm not saying that there's not Christians out there that are trying to use their faith for dark purposes. Of course there are. There's bad people in every group. Human beings can really suck. You know, I don't know what else to say. People do terrible things. Um, but it has nothing to do with Jesus at all. Um, he was sinless. He was perfect. And he is here to redeem everybody. And and the more that I look at all of this stuff, the more I realize that he truly is the answer. But but if you just want to look at it from even a secular sense, logically, just on a, an intellectual level, um, you, you can't, the claims about the church that, that pulled me away are mostly fallacies or they're close to the truth as so many things are, you know, 90% might be not true, but then that 10% pulls you in. There's always yeah. some element of truth and, you know, sort of it tastes like butter, but it's actually margarine, that kind of concept, right? It's, it's sort of close. And so it looks good enough and that sucks people in. So, um, I, I liked what you said uh, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That's a Bible verse, you know, it and, is. Yeah. And, and you, you see that played out. And so, one of my things that I that I've been thinking about a lot as I look at the culture wars and I see what's happening, 
okay, there's theories and theories are meant to be tested. They're, they're, they're not necessarily totally true. It's a theory. And so mm -hmm. we have all these theories and they're all based on critical theory. And, and that's the trunk of the tree. And then you have critical queer theory and critical feminism and critical race. And, and it's all basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, fine. Let's, let's look at that. And there's, as you say, there's some truth to some of it. But then there's so many other things. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I struggle with is the praxis of the theory. It's like mm -hmm. what uh, it's bad to have bad ideology. It's, you know, there's a that's the root of it. But then the praxis is, is, is how it's played out, how it's played out in relationships, how it's played out in institutions, how it's played out in families and uh, churches and the government and there's something about the ideology that takes hold and it, it like takes over and then subjugates everything to it, Rela relationships. And, you know, like, like you said, uh, your faith was subjugated to this new faith. And it's like, it becomes all encompassing uh, omnipotent force on your brain uh, and the way you, you see the world and the way you interact with the world and people. And I'd like, I'd like you to, maybe dig into that a little bit too. Yeah, it's, um, it can become very much its own religion and even in many ways a cult, depending how deep people get into it. Now, I didn't get all the way into, you know, I was on the streets chanting. I didn't have any, you know, I wasn't out there actively canceling people. Um, nothing like that. It was actually some of that really strong kind of crazy ideology that, or, or the wording mm -hmm. That, that stopped me in my tracks logically and slowly, quote, red-pilled me. Um, it wasn't my faith. It was actually um, little steps along the way. Jordan Peterson was a part of it. Getting out of victim mentality was a part of it. Understanding that you can recognize, you know, mm. trauma or pain or suffering without being stuck in it, without basically just hanging out there and, and using it as your identity or your label, but actually, you know, picking up your suffering and bearing it and trying to be a good person as, as Peterson essentially said that was part of it part of it was someone calling me on my privilege while I was literally on disability and I, I was like I don't I don't compute that that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me I think all I had said at that time that was actually when Trump was elected that was a big red pill for a lot of people I didn't like him at the time but I saw people going a little bit um I don't know a little bit off on all of it and kind of losing their way logically and I remember just saying hey we've had bad leaders in the world before we've had them again we'll be okay as a human race and someone called me on my privilege and I was like I, I don't know what it means and then they got really offended and said they didn't feel safe around me and I I just had wow. no idea because I'm so gentle I was like, how do you don't feel you don't feel safe around me I'm I'm so gentle I'm so nice right how could this be these sorts of steps that started to make me realize as you said the the logical end game of this is negative um you know the Bible talks about you will know them by their fruits, the fruits of this, even if you're not a religious person or a Christian, if you're an atheist, the fruits of this are exceedingly negative on society. They're negative on families. They're negative in policy. Um, some of the stuff that's supposed to be the most compassionate is extremely, extremely harmful. So I'll, I'll use just one example, but there's so many of them. Um, policies that talk about, or, or when go the government pushes stuff like, um, the affirmation of, of the gender stuff for, for young kids. And we talk about it. Why? Because you don't want anyone to feel like they're not themselves or feel bad. You want them to feel good. You want them to feel accepted. You want them to 
feel happy. That's kindness. That's compassion, right? Is to affirm all of this. Well, what is the logical end game of social affirmation? It's pharmaceutical affirmation it's surgical affirmation and what is that actually doing well it's you know hurting healthy body parts it's it's causing as we've seen with detransitioner stories immeasurable pain and suffering is that the compassionate way if you look a little further into so many of these policies and ideas if you follow them through to the end game the logical conclusion it's not pretty and it's not compassion it's extremely destructive stuff and a lot of these theories, they have nowhere good to go. They, they build you up at the beginning. You're fighting for something, you know, social justice. But what's actually happening? Who's happy? You know, where are we getting as a society? Women, for example, we are more equal than we have ever been. So we can go on about feminism, but there's never been a time that women are more unhappy. I mean, studies, again, not Christianity, but secular studies showing the use of antidepressants, particularly in liberal white women, but women in general, are, it's astronomical. No, we're not happy. We're not actually thriving as a society right now. And, and these policies, whether it's socialism, whatever it is that they're pushing, there's unfortunately sort of a, a basket of beliefs you have to have in the social justice world. And by the way, if you don't think it's a religion, try saying no to one of those things in that basket and see what happens to you. You will be excommunicated so fast your head will spin. You are either all in or you are a bigot far-right Nazi. That's, the, that's how this works. There is no in-between. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter that you do care or you might even agree with 80% of it, but you have issues with this one thing. People are just thrown out. There's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no discussion. You're canceled. Mm -hmm. You're done. You're out. And and these sorts of ideologies are toxic. They're absolutely toxic. And I, I don't see these people as happy. Um, the people I know that are still fighting that aren't happy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't actually helping anybody. I was a narcissist because I was so inward focused on my own trauma and other people's, you know, being a little kind of savior in my world. Um, it wasn't it wasn't helping anybody. And by all means, the most progressive politicians aren't helping Canada and aren't helping places that these progressive politicians are being um, voted in. It all sounds real nice and flowery, but we're not doing so great up here. There's some problems, you know, and things are brewing. And I worry very much that we will be the fall of civilization like Rome. It's, it's not good. Um, the, the end result of these policies are dark. They're very, very dark and they're very toxic and they're not compassion and they're not nice. And it doesn't matter how they sound. And what happens is people get stressed and they don't want to look into things more. And headlines are very convincing. We have social media and clickbait and these sort of viral um, news cycles where everything is recycled so quickly that you don't even have time to look into anything. So policies that are labeled something negative. But really, if you actually take a, looking, a look at the wording, it's something completely different. But most people aren't looking into it. So they think they're doing the compassionate thing by voting in these politicians, by championing these causes or these policies or these ideas. And they're not thinking. They're not using their head and thinking long term about what this means for society, for families, for children, for health care, for, for monetary policy, for any of it. Um, that's something that I was I just wanted, you know this peaceful world where big corporations bad, Christians bad, men bad, all these things are bad. And I, I, the opposite, the reactionary side of it was sort of this SJW ideology, which again, I thought was a compliment. Um, but I didn't think it through. Like, I didn't know anything about social. I wasn't educated on any of this stuff. And, and then there's the people that get educated on it because they go to some university that just pushes that nonstop for four years. And then they think that 
they know everything about, you know, human nature. And suddenly all of these ideologies are going to trump human nature and how it's been since the beginning of time, which I think is also fascinating. I find a lot of these ideologies to be not only toxic, but completely void of any acknowledgement of the basic human nature that continuously repeats itself. There is nothing new Mm -hmm. under the sun. Also a Bible verse, you know, um, a very loosely translated one, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on that isn't so different than our ancestors. We think we're so progressive and we're so advanced. Mm -hmm. The same sin that we saw in the Bible and that we saw years ago is happening right now. It just looks a lot different with technology, the way that it is, Um, our language, education. Sure, we're more educated, we're richer, all that good stuff, but we're not, we're not happier and we're not smarter. Like we're still just repeating the same garbage. It just looks a lot different. So I just encourage people to, again, this isn't me on my high horse. Like I, I just encourage people to, to read more, to look into it more, to have these conversations with people that disagree with you because they might not be bigoted jerks that don't care about anyone. They might care very much. Like I haven't changed. I still want to see the people in poverty lifted out of poverty. I still want people who are disabled to have rights and feel like they're part of society and have people show them compassion. I want those things for the world. I just don't see the way to those end goals as the same. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize right or left. A lot of us have the same goals. We just see a very different way of getting there. And the right doesn't have it figured out either, right? But it, it's um, the SJW mode sounds so good. And it's just so, it's just so bad. I don't know how else to put it. It's so bad. Yeah. Uh, John McWhorter, <clears throat> who's not a Christian, I don't know if he's an agnostic or an atheist. He's a, he's a black man. He's an intellectual. And he wrote a book called uh, Woke Religion uh, of the incredible harm that's happening in the black community as mm-hmm. a result of critical race theory and, and, and this worldview of, you know, whiteness as property and, you know, whites are, only whites can be racist and and just the dumbing down that has a negative impact on the black community so that's just one of these critical theories yeah and he he writes an excellent book and so uh yeah the impact of, of the divisiveness and it's really completely reductionist i mean the nuances and the complexity of of systems of relationships and you know, to look at every relationship through the lens of power, who's the oppressor, who's the oppressed, you know, what about love? What about forgiveness? What about kindness? What about interpersonal relationships that are built on something so much more profound than a, than the the oppressor oppressed dialectic. It's just so nuanced. It's just so shortcoming. It's just, it's actually horrible uh, to look at. It is. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, sorry to interrupt, but it is, it, it's, I feel like we're going backwards. We're reducing ourselves to melanin. We're reducing ourselves to s- suddenly all the stuff we figured out about gender roles. We've decided that, you know, we we're going to throw that in the garbage too. You know, all the, all the great leaps that we actually have made of actual progression. I feel like we're just throwing them in the garbage. Um, we're, we're so obsessed with melanin. We're obsessed with oppression and, and, you know, the different roles, whether that be somebody who is, is in the LGBTQ with a bazillion letters and numbers behind it now, because I can't keep up. Um, You know, it doesn't matter which way you look at it. That's all we think about. Oppressed, 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 victim, 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 a million labels. It's, it's, um, it's, it's reductionist. It's, it's shallow, it's vapid, and it's really hurting people. And we're losing, as you said, these, these, the sense of actual goodness, or, you know, you hear of people that have spent their whole life in service 
to, to a cause or a job or something that actually is helping people. And then suddenly, because they're not on board with some element of, of this ideology, they're thrown in the trash, they're smeared in the media, they're considered basically don't touch them, they don't go anywhere near them, they're bad. And we, we lose all the good actual work, the tangible work that people are doing, because it doesn't sound nice based on this, this new worldview, based on this new lens. It's, um, it's ridiculously harmful. It, it doesn't pan out to anything positive like as a society, again, as you know, breaking down the family. It doesn't help with, with the relationships between our spouses. I mean, if I was just to sit here and, and look at my marriage as some sort of patriarchal power struggle between sexes, are we really going to have a good marriage? Now, does that mean I promote abuse? Of course not. Does that mean that I don't recognize maybe the, you know, you, I don't think it's privilege. Yeah, men are maybe have a, a stronger power element over women just by base of, you know, sheer size and, and strength. Sure, there, there's risks that women have that men don't have when they walk home from a bar at night. All of these things are real. But instead of just looking at them as part of reality, we've changed them through this lens of oppression as you know, these, these causes that we're always championing and, and someone has to be the victim. And, and my question is, where does it end? So if it's racial reparations or whatever it is, how do you, at what point do we say, okay, good, we're even, everything's peaceful and this is utopia. Does that ever actually it never happen? It never right, ends. exactly. And there's no forgiveness. There's no sense of repentance. There's no, um, Redemption. we were talking, yeah, there, we were talking about at the beginning of this, of, before we went on air here, that there's no sense of repentance that this ideology is very focused on the sins of others and very rarely on the sins of yourself. And so there's no repentance and therefore there can be no redemption. Um, you know, people like to talk about Christianity as being this, you know, God is so mean and all these rules and, and it's so strict. And I, I would question whether people in the SJW ideology, do you not see, like, do you not see how strict the rules are? Because I know what it's like to be sort of kicked out or pushed to the side because I didn't talk like them because I didn't believe I either had to be literally in tears, literally shaking essentially because Trump was getting in. I couldn't just dislike him. I couldn't just disagree with him. I had to be terrified and if I wasn't, it's because I had so much privilege, my cis normative hetero privilege, you know, it's, it was just, you can't win. You're never going to be woke enough. Um, I don't know who's in charge of this crazy sort of cultish idea, but you cannot ever attain the level of righteousness that you need. It's a works-based religion. You are constantly trying to be better. That is not Christianity. You can hate Christianity if you want, but the grace that Christianity actually offers in all of this is it, it's like nothing else I could describe. And it has yeah. nothing to do with this works-based constantly trying to like be white and clean and perfect so that you don't ever make a, a, a social sin or say the wrong thing or have the wrong belief. I mean, it's um, it was very hard to keep up. I'll say that I could never, I never felt like I was doing enough. And then when you make a mistake, you're, you're ousted, you're gone, you're, you're unsafe. You're, you're a bigot. And, and I mean, I ran completed. for politics. Sorry, go ahead. You're never completed and uh, juxtaposing yeah. it to uh, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest in your souls. Learn from yeah. me. You know, that it's yeah. just the absolute opposite of, of the Christian message of, of, of redemption. Truly. Well, it truly is. Yeah. And so progressive Christianity is interesting too, because it's infected the church as well, um, which you don't have time to get into, but, this idea that Jesus was some kind of, 
I guess, just a hippie. I don't know. They, they forget that there was a lot of truth bombs he dropped in there, too. He flipped a few tables. You know, there was a lot going on. Um, he was here to love. Yes, 100 yeah. percent. But he was here to speak truth in love. He sat with sinners, but he told sinners to sin no more. He didn't encourage them to keep doing it. And I think that whether you're looking at it from a spiritual worldview or just a political worldview, there is a way to speak truth in love. There is a way to denounce dark practices without, you know, hating or judging the people who are involved in them or who are sucked into them. A lot of people are just, you know, I do encourage compassion because a lot of people sucked into this. They're hurting. They have something going on in their life. They don't feel right. They don't feel whole. Um, you know, whether it's gender dysphoria, whether it's the critical race stuff, whatever we're talking about, these big sort of hot button social issues, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of, of, of unhealed hurts. There's trauma. There's, um, there's abuse. There's, there's senses of being insecure. There's bullying. There's all kinds of stuff going on. There's stuff that I don't understand because I grew up, thankfully, before all this cyber bullying stuff, all this social media, you make one mistake and it's on the internet forever stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on that I encourage people to look at it from a view of compassion because there are people that are just straight up spewing vileness that you cannot reach in all of this. Some of these activists are pretty, pretty intense, but there's also a lot of people following it that genuinely do have a heart for people and want to help and, and want to heal their own hurts and heal the hurts of others. So I do encourage people to be gracious where you can, but don't I'd like you to do right now, if you could, if you could just take the next few minutes and I'd like you to speak to somebody who's been infected with this virus. They're, they're, they're trying the best they can. They're exhausted. They're, uh, they're social justice warriors. They bought the ideology and you know, you can't win a debate when somebody has uh, adopted this as, as a religion. So I'd like you to just uh, speak to that, that person. And then those that have been affected uh, family members uh, to give people hope and, what would you say to somebody who's in the mindset knowing you can't win a debate, but you're, you're touching on so many things right now. I'd like you to just really uh, develop that with the compassion that you have. What would, what would you say to these people that are just totally in, in the bondage of this ideology that's taken over their lives? Right. Well, there's two parts. You said, you know, who, how would I speak to someone who's in the ideology and who, right. who sees the world, this worldview first. And then from the, the view of someone who's trying to, to speak to someone who is in that ideology. So if you are, I don't know, if you consider yourself, I guess, someone who champions social justice, if you consider yourself someone who's extremely left-leaning politically, if all of these sorts of things are, are your worldview now, um, I encourage, I guess, first, just taking a deep breath and getting out of your feelings for a second, because the heart is extremely fickle and emotions are very, very fickle. And it's often a reactivity and reactive nature that is causing a lot of these things. And generally speaking, these types of reactive things, whether it's in a relationship, I mean, think if you're having a fight with someone, or you're having a discussion, what you say in the moment in the heat of the moment is almost always terrible. And you usually have to go back and apologize for it. Thoughtful, mm -hmm. sober thinking is so important in every relationship, in every business decision, whether you're at work, you know, how do you act at work? How do you think of the most important things in your life? And would you just go off on a whim on emotion? Or would you put a little bit of extra thought and, and you know, really take a moment to be conscientious about it. I think that's something that has to, we've got to start there, mm -hmm. take a deep breath, back off the emotion for a bit and consider that maybe 
your end goal, whatever you want, whether it's peace and harmony, whether it's help for the poor, whether it's, you know, equality, whatever it is, how are we actually going to get there? So that's the first thing is to, to, to get away from just the angry reactivity or the, the sense of overwhelm. I think a lot of people are very sort of empathetic, or even they might call themselves empathic, where they just take on the hurts of others and they're overwhelmed and they see the pain and suffering and that's all that they're seeing. And then they're fed these headlines in the media about yeah. all the suppression stuff, right? It's, it's overwhelming and it can be, it's like you're in chains. You have to shut the TV off. You have to take a moment and you have to breathe from there. It's a matter of not demonizing and turning everybody that disagrees with you into a monster. If you do that, you're already shut down to, to the idea that maybe that person might actually have the solution. What if the person you're speaking to has a really good idea on how to help that group of people or how to solve this particular problem, whether environmental, racial, whatever it is, what if that person had a great idea and you just shut them down because you see them as far right or bigoted or they listen to this news podcast or they're a part of this political organization and those people are quote far right. And like you, you get these ideas in your head, they de you demonize someone. But what if that person has the answer are you in it for the ideology or are you in it for the actual solutions that you claim to be mm. seeking? Because if you're looking for solutions, there's a good chance you might not have it. There's a good chance it might be a combination of your skills and your ideas and somebody else's. It's how it is in business. It's how it is in relationships, compromising, discussing, hashing things out, being logical, as well as I always say, balance your head, balance your heart and balance your gut. What is your intuition telling you? Are you getting red flags? Don't ignore those and push them away just because something sounds nice. Dig deeper, dig deeper, you know? Um, that's something I would encourage people. Now, it depends. If you're talking to an activist, I'm going to be honest, um, this kind of touches on your second portion of the question. It's very hard to get to someone who is all in. Um, it's going to take something and someone to shatter their worldview or hit them in a moment where they are kind of vulnerable and for me, it was unexpected. It was, um, I said, for me, it was, I call it a time release red pill. It took multiple things that made me say, whoa, 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 that doesn't make mm -hmm. sense. That doesn't sit right with me. And it started with even just feelings. It doesn't feel right. Something's off about this. I don't feel like that's the answer to this problem. This doesn't seem like it's going to get us anywhere. I don't think that's who I am. I know who I am. And what you're saying, that doesn't ring true. There's something that has to be true and grounded in everybody. And you have to try to reach that part of them and you have to accept if you're talking to someone like this that you might not be the person that gets them to that point and you just have to pray and hope that something or someone does um my big my big thing was a 13 minute video by jordan P peterson discussing victim mentality and privilege and all of these concepts and and there was something about that that just it just nailed me and i remember just bawling and being you know eyes wide open and from there it just shifted me into being open to listening to other people um but it was truth in love it was hard truth for me that woke me up it wasn't um someone being caustic and horrible and throwing out buzzwords i i go online and i see the the debates people have and i cringe because if right-wingers think they're going to win the hearts of these people by by insulting them and using buzzwords like good luck you're never going to get anywhere never, right try to figure out if they're demonizing you as a monster you're demonizing them as an idiot that's not better if you talk down to people and are condescending you're not getting anywhere there has to be common goals and the idea of solutions and what we're actually seeking to achieve um 
but it has to be said with truth and conviction. There, I realized, you know, it took a long time. You can't beat around the bush and try to go in the middle ground. You, have, you do have to speak truth. You have to say something and mean it and believe it and stand by it. But you can find compromise in how you get there. You can find compromise in how you see the person and treating them with dignity and respect and having actual full-on discussions. But it, it's only possible as much as the person is willing to listen, they have to be able to let their guard down. And I think that's different for everybody. So I do have hope that people can change because I see it all around me. I mean, I met Gracie through this. Um, I've met other wonderful people that were so much further in it than I was and that are completely out of it now. It's, it is absolutely possible. If you're a Christian, it is possible to, to obviously always believe in redemption and grace and pray, 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 just pray constantly because um, God can use anybody or anything to change a person's heart. It can be the most ridiculous thing, a movie scene, a song, a moment on the side of the street. You just don't know what's going to be that moment where someone says, whoa, this isn't right. I don't feel good about it. It can be one headline realizing that the media lying to you is, is important. If you can actually show someone that they've been lied to and they can't refute it, then you start to question other media headlines. You start to question other sources. It can be one little thing and it has to be kind of earth shattering. And, and unfortunately, that's very different for every person. It depends how deep they are into it. It depends what their beliefs are. And everyone has a passion. So you have to be able to speak to, okay, this person's really, really big on, on this race stuff. How do, I, how do I try to see where they're coming from? I mean, it does take a lot of thought exercises and you're going to have to listen to some of the stuff that maybe you just don't agree with and might even nauseate you. But you have to understand what people, it's a language. These people are speaking a different language. Learn the language and see if maybe yeah. you can find a way to explain, hey, I want the same things you do. I care about this too. But we don't see this the same way. So why don't we discuss, like, how do you think we're going to get there? Because I don't think this method's working. And I think we're actually getting further away. I think that we're actually har like harming those people or hurting those people that you're so concerned about. Um, it does come down to intention and finding out what that person's intention is. And trying to meet them in in that space somehow. So, yeah, but the, the leftists uh, that are really in it, they don't care about intention. It's an impact, you know. That yeah, you know, and, and we do speak the same language, but we have a different dictionary. And it's yeah, like we, true, we, we, true. We live in parallel universes. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, like where we get our information from. It's even though we're all in the same similar geographic locations what some people get for information is completely opposite of what somebody else gets. And there's so many challenges. Do you feel like this, uh, it's going to get progressively worse and worse and more control, more authoritarianism, uh, more harshness, or you, you see this uh, virus running its course, kind of like the COVID virus where it just dissipates and goes away or where are we as a society? Do you feel? That's a tricky one. And I don't want to be the black pillar here because I'm, I'm trying to speak hope and truth because I do believe in, that individual souls, individual hearts and minds mm. can be changed and saved. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know that we're going to get a lot better until we get worse. And I don't know where this is all going. I mean, it could be, as you said, it's all Peter's. I mean, I, I think the end game of stuff like this is it's good. It has to peter out because it's unsustainable. Most of what we're doing is is unsustainable and it's going to crash and burn in one way or another. The question is, how bad does it have to get before that happens? And will we shift? And what worries me 
is that the the tech side of it, the media side of it, as you said, how people get their information, that part is getting really divided and really polarized and really intense. And then you have places like Canada, where we now have actual policies and bills in place that actively censor information and are actively pushing to get hate speech laws brought in and and those sorts of things. Um, and of course, hate speech being defined by the government, which is terrifying because how do you yeah. define hate? Well, half of what I've said on this podcast is hate and it's not hate, right? So, it, but it's considered so by, by the who, standard who, who of a lot of the legislation. Who defines Precisely. Yeah, precisely. And that's what worries me. How do you, it's very subjective. And when you have people that, they depend on votes and their, their, their power and their money. You want to talk about oppression, politicians get power and money based on um, getting people to vote for them and keep them in. So they're the ones that get to decide how this works. I'm not sure why we're all so trusting. I wish that the, the left and the right could both just come together in a, a mutual distrust of the government would be nice. Because back when I was a lefty, part of my thing was, I don't feel I've changed that much, you know, ironically. I didn't trust the government then and I don't trust the government now. Yeah. My problem was I started to trust the, the people that sounded nice. That was my, I, I was weak in that way. I, I, you know, I even voted for Justin Trudeau in 2015, which is an embarrassing admittance, but um, it's, it's, he was saying the right things and he was supposed to care and, and whatever. So um, I don't see it getting better in the sense that, the media is very polarized. And as you said, we do live in parallel universes. There are different worlds that, you know, one event, uh, we had that big trucker convoy in Canada. That was a great example. One person literally saw it as a terrorist takeover of our capital, an insurrection of violent far-right extremists. The other side saw it as just a bunch of everyday people wanting to get rid of these mandates and go back to work and standing against this sort of division. And, and, hot tubs and bouncy castles and people singing Oh Canada and playing hockey on the streets. Like it was two, depending which media outlet you followed, there was two completely different things happening, but you know, what, what actually happened, how many people actually went there and saw it. And so it's very, very hard to disseminate that when you have this kind of polarization in media um, as a Christian, I have to of course bring it back to the faith part of this. Cause that's shifted my view too. Are we in the end times? Is this the time when Jesus comes back? I don't know. I think there's an opportunity for change here and that we could have some sort of major reset, not the, the world great reset stuff that people talk about with the WEF, but I mean an actual reset of common sense, because I do think all these ideologies will reach their logical conclusion, which is just a dumpster fire, and then something has to be rebuilt from that dumpster fire. But um, we're dangerously close to just evil sort of taking over on a lot of these fronts. A lot of this stuff isn't. And this is where, you know, I'm hesitant to say that you can pull everybody out of this ideology because there's just a lot of darkness there and a lot of people are, are in chains to it, right? And there's a lot of powers that be that are making money and that are powerful because of these ideologies. I mean, if you turn everybody against each other, who benefits from that, right? So um, I do I do worry that we're not, I worry especially for my country. I think the states always has hope because you have a constitution and you have some pretty feisty individual states with a lot more individual governing power um, and people there that will stand up and, and fight. But um, I have very little hope right now for my country and it actually it's kind of depressing. Um, I have hope in Christ. I have hope in Christ because I don't see how we're going to get out of this with voting. I don't see a lot of political options here. Um, I don't see a lot of people standing up and caring. Most people are complacent. We're comfortable. 
Uh, nobody, as long as you know, there's not actively bombs going off in your neighborhood, people think everything is fine. And yet, meanwhile, we're just shifting and shifting. And uh, I worry very much about places like Canada, really progressive places. Um, you know, I, I don't know, I wish I knew. All I know is that right now I'm focused on individual souls, because uh, if I look at the big picture, it kind of scares me. That makes sense. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. It, you know, it's like drip, 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 and then you reach the mm-hmm. tipping point and there's no return. Or do we continue to, you know, and and I love your attitude because, you know, people can find God and live in faith, even if we were to go very far left or socialists, or we lose a lot of the freedoms that we we've enjoyed in both countries, you, we could still find God and he's, Mm -hmm. you know, an anchor to our souls. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's our hope. I mean, we, we can't, and, and this discussion is even—I mean, it's political, obviously. But in the end, your hope is not in uh, a political party or a governmental system, and and neither is mine. You know, in the end, it's can we trust God and can we serve Him? And I think ultimately, that's our individual responsibility. You know, so mm-hmm. Kelly, Kelly, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, and I just want to give you the last word: how people can get a hold of you, and the last word of exhortation and. Uh, this has just been so rich for me just to, to listen to you speak and hear your story and, and just connect with you, you know, and thank you so much uh, for, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. And I give you a big hug. Much appreciated. And back at you, brother in Christ. Um, it's, it's great that you reached out. I thank you for the opportunity to speak about this. I've been kind of hiding out here just I backed off of all of this stuff. I did the reporting thing for a while and, and it was a bit, caustic or abrasive the nature of what I was doing it just wasn't quite right for me and I know God was pulling me back and uh but I've also known that I'm not done with this yet and I need to speak and I've been a bit just cowardly and enjoying the piece that you know this is a very conflict high sort of topic most people there's a lot of hate and I'm not actually a very you know despite the fact that I would be considered you know some sort of crazy far-right fascist whatever I'm a really genteel person I don't like conflict (laughs) I live in a very small town uh, on the edge of the forest I watch birds with my husband I mean I'm pretty relaxed so I didn't know if I wanted to get back into this if I was retired but I I sense that tugging on my heart constantly and so thank you for giving me the opportunity to to come back into this in a gentle way and just have a good discussion and instead of me having to host a whole bunch of stuff you know just to come on and have a chat so I appreciate that very much Um, and last words I mean I don't know what to say other than if you are someone who is in this ideology, just keep an open mind and consider that the people that you consider the most awful and bigoted might not be so bad. That, that's a good starting point. It's a good place to start. And from there, who knows what can happen, right? Um, if you're someone who's lost someone to this ideology or you're suffering because a family member now sees you as someone that you're not, if you've been thrown with all the ists and the isms and the labels, um, don't take it personally. This person has probably been shifted ideologically they they do see things very differently and and keep hope if you're a christian continue to pray lift them up in prayer don't give up on god because god can change anybody's heart and there's nothing but stories throughout history of of the testimony of incredible redemption and and the light that christ can bring into darkness so be that light just be that light in whatever that means actual light not you know the the stuff that's um darkness disguised as light bring light bring truth speak truth in love stand firm um, don't get sucked in. It's it's easy to just start to be scared of the conflict and not want to be called names. But 
it's it's you get over it you know you really do even the meekest of us get over it eventually you toughen up you get a thick skin um if someone wants to follow me i have started making some youtube content again not all the time i struggle with health stuff uh, as well so it's kind of just sporadic but i am going to be speaking a lot about the new age and just trying to talk about a few of these issues in the culture that are really um that i'm really passionate about and uh, making a few videos that hopefully maybe can shift a few hearts and minds or make people think. So I'm on YouTube. You can just look me up under Kelly Lamb. I'm currently not really doing much on other platforms. I used to be a Twitterer, but that place is just so toxic and I wasn't getting anywhere. And it brings out a side of me that quite frankly, I don't like. I don't like who I become when I speak that language. I, I'm very snarky and sarcastic and I just, I don't want to be that person. God doesn't want me to be that person. So YouTube is my my sort of shtick and given some new bills in Canada I might have to switch over to rumble or start doing the the other channels as well but if you follow me on YouTube I'll keep people aware of that um, I do some hymns as well I sing so that's kind of what I do now it's pretty relaxed but um, if you're interested in, in reaching out to me my email is always on that about section and I'm always happy to hear from people so well Kelly thank you so much for coming on I really appreciate you so you, you take care yes you as well okay. you as well